Hello, and welcome to today's episode on our brand new podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in. This is Alyssa Parker, co-founder of Safe and Sound Schools, and I'm joined here with Michelle Gay. Um, For this episode today, we are actually excited to share with you our first episode of Tuesdays at the Table. It's a new web chat series that we developed, and this is our first season of that web chat. And I am going to have Michelle, my co-founding partner. So it really just kind of happened. We, um, we'd been talking about doing a podcast for the longest time and just kind of kept back it because we were so busy running around um, to our school communities and, and professional communities doing workshops and trainings and speaking. And uh, when the pandemic hit, we we still found that our, our communities were reaching out and wanting to, to stay connected. So kind of a nice way to do it and then see each other's faces, um, at least somewhat, would be this, this kind of web chat concept. So um, we could just join on a Zoom. Why not? Everybody was at the same time. So um, we, yeah, we just hopped on and, uh, and just started having the conversations we were already having uh, on video, on recording. And, and from there, it's, it's evolved into several different offshoots. Yeah. And I'm excited for them to kind of be able to hear us have these conversations with really amazing folks that we get to, you know, interact with and, and talk with and, and they'll feel the conversation unfolding in front of them. So it'll be exciting for them to listen to this first episode of Tuesdays at the Table. Yay. Welcome to the table. Joining us today is Dr. Scott Poland, National School Safety Expert, Licensed School Psychologist, Professor at Nova Southeastern University of Florida, and Advisor and Speaker for Safe and Sound Schools. Welcome, Scott. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Michelle. And rounding out the table today is my co-founding partner and mission sister, Alyssa Parker, (laughs) Director of Outreach for Safe and Sound and Dr. C.J. Huff, educator and former superintendent of the Joplin, Missouri Schools, and also speaker and advisor to Safe and Sound Schools. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. So on the table today, supporting students through a continuing crisis. We're, you know, a good two months into an ever-changing new normal, it seems, and the COVID pandemic has affected us all in different ways. Um, but one thing is for sure, it has, it has had an effect on, on everyone in, in one way or another, and especially our students, you know, with schools shut down pretty much nationwide at this point. Um, you know, there's not a student who hasn't been impacted either with a closure or adjusting to distance learning or a new routine of, of some kind. So this is in it, it, this is a crisis, you know, and it's it's um, in many ways different from the types of crises that we have been supporting school communities through at Safe and Sound. You know, it's it's unlike an act of violence uh, like what we experienced in our community at Sandy Hook. Uh, it's unlike a natural disaster like your community CJ experienced in Joplin. Uh, this one is ongoing. Right. And there's new information emerging just about every day, new recommendations. So how do we help our our students, Scott? How do we support them through through this? What's our strategy? How how are we going to do this when it's completely uncharted territory? You're certainly right, Michelle, that it is unprecedented 
and there's a lot of uncertainty. And to be honest, we don't like dealing with uncertainty. We'd all like to know when this is going to end. And I've been using the word calm, trying to get a message out to parents. And the C really stands for parents need to be consistent with their children. We need schedules in our home. The A stands for parents being available and truly finding a time when their children will talk to them and being alert for any changes in their behavior. And the L is for listening. And I think it also has to stand for limiting television coverage, especially with small children, because some of the images that we've seen have just been so horrific. And the M really stands for parent modeling. And children are going to look to their parents to see how upset to be about this. Mm -hmm. And with parents, and many of them are really worried, but they need to talk to their significant others and their friends and get through and get some support for the issues they're dealing with. And we need to be telling our children that the smartest scientists in the entire world are working on this with parents modeling optimism and hope. We gathered, as you know, lots of questions from our community. And uh, this one comes in um, from a parent. And she says, I'm really worried about my two young kids falling behind academically. I'm working from home while they're on their own to entertain themselves. And our district has not been able to provide much more than busy work for the students. I'm stressed out. What would you say to this parent? Well, I think parents now really have three roles. They're the parent, they're the teacher, they're working from home. This is creating incredible stress. But the role I hope they really concentrate on is being the parent, finding the time to, to do things with children. I'm hoping children will look back on this and think about my parents, they were really there for me. We developed some new traditions. And certainly I'll let CJ weigh in on this, but having worked full-time in schools for 26 years, we're always used to in the fall reteaching a number of things. So I don't necessarily agree with these dire statements about the long-term consequences. I think teachers will be pretty adept in getting back to covering things that were missed in the spring next fall. CJ. I want to toss this one to you, though, too, as a former superintendent and educator. Um, I know you have a young student at home, too. And, um, you know, I know you guys have done some, some creative things to, to really supplement and, and keep the learning going um, at home, but in a, in a way that fits your, your family and your life. Um, will you share a little bit of that with us? Sure. So, um, yeah, I have uh, an 18-year-old who's uh, going into his senior year this next year, and then my uh, a fifth grader who's transitioning into to middle school this next year. Um, certainly a lot of anxiety on the part of us parents. Uh, I think, think collectively, you know, just concerned about it. You know, is she, is she ready, going to be ready for, for this next school year? So, you know, basically the approach we've taken, in, in addition to, to some of the assignments that are, that are coming uh, from the school, uh, we, we've established a, just a routine around the house. You know, she gets up in the morning. Um, she has uh, her homework uh, that, that we have ready for her. Uh, Jennifer's been great, my wife's been great about 
you know, copying some stuff and, and sitting down. So she goes through the process. I mean, she's got you know, reading time, established 30 minutes of, of reading uh, every day. She's got uh, a physical education uh, and it works out great because my son is needing uh, some volunteer hours for National Honor Society. And so the, the, te- the, the, the um, sponsor for National Honor Society has allowed uh, students to get their volunteer hours by working with siblings. So he's, he's her PE teacher every day. And so they go out and uh, they do activities together every day, which has been great, great for both of them uh, from a brother, you know, older brother, sister standpoint. It's um, it's been been fantastic. And um, so we're, we're doing a little bit of double duty there. Um, but uh, but, you know, it, it's all you know, it's all good stuff. And, and uh, we you know, we find time uh, in the evenings for for game time. And uh, we've even. You know, growing up in the 80s, we even introduced uh, our, our kids to uh, some of the movies from the 80s, too, and have had a good laugh. So, you know, it's just, you make the bat, you know, make you know, what we said after our disaster in Joplin is we're trying to make lemonade out of this lemon and uh, uh, that we've been handed. And, um, and so we're trying to do that as a family. Um, as a, this is a question that, that came up that I can relate to on a really personal level. Here is a question. Um, that came in from a high school counselor. I'm the mom of a a current senior heading off, hopefully to college in the fall. And this counselor says, um, many of my students are seniors. Uh, They're deeply disappointed that prom and graduation have been canceled. Our school has done its best to try to create virtual celebrations for the students, but for many, the loss is still very real. How can I support them? Scott, what, what would you say to this? I mean, it, it really is, it, you know, it, it's, it's not a loss of, of life. It's not a trauma, but this is something that these kids have worked hard for their whole academic career. They've looked forward to these moments, these milestones, and it, and it really is a loss. Would you speak to that? Yes, it, it's a tremendous disappointment. And, you know, we have to realize that life does um, provide us a number of opportunities where we have to learn to deal with something that just didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. And as adults, we want to make all that go away. We wish that had never happened for those kids, but it did. And I think about the best thing we can do, whether we're the parent or the counselor, is just reach out, be there to listen, uh, validate whatever thoughts are on their mind and yes that's really disappointing i can't imagine what that's like for you is there anything that is helping can you try to be in touch more through social networks with key friends or teachers and you know the good thing is teachers counselors principals everybody is working hard they're available and we need to contact them as a parent as a kid, we need to let them know when we're having some issues and how could they help. Excellent. So one of the things that I'm hearing a lot about from all stakeholders, parents, students, teachers, school leaders, uh, school-based mental health folks, um, school safety professionals, SROs, everybody is, is, there's a common theme of, of anxiety. And Alyssa, we were talking about this the other day. Um, how, how does that feel to your kids? Is there, you know, a level of anxiety about being able to step out? And this, you know, this is a threat that we can't see and we can't touch. So 
talk a little bit about what that's like and, and share that experience. Maybe Scott can weigh in on his thoughts for supporting the girls. Yeah. You know, having gone through an experience, a traumatic experience with our school community before, I learned very quickly how to isolate the news and the media from my kids and limiting their exposure to that and really taking um, an initiative to have conversations and to be very direct with my kids, but at the same time, age appropriate. So that was something we've always practiced um, as a family, you know, from that point on. And so with our kids, we realized that they mirror a lot of our own emotions. And so I try to be very, um, level-headed around them, keep my emotions and my own anxieties to myself, even though I talk through how I strategize and work through emotions. Um, so I, I have a lot of practice with that. And even, even doing that and even working really hard to limit that exposure, you know, one of my girls is really struggling going to sleep at night. She has a lot of worry and anxiety. Trying to get them to go out and go for a walk around the block um, is a struggle they want to exercise. They're sick of being home. But anytime I mention going out and doing things that are appropriate to do is a struggle. So as I look towards the future and I have to prepare them to enter back into the schools where that anxiety is going to be complicated and compiled even more than it is now, I want to prepare them. And I want to have strategies in, in which to build up that resilience in them. And so I guess I'm, I'm curious what suggestions you would have to help a mom like me prepare my kids to go back to school and how to deal with their anxiety entering it in. Well, listen, I'm really glad that you're modeling coping with this. And that is really important. It's almost the younger the child, the more they turn to mom and dad to see how upset to be about something. Um, I've been giving this a lot of thought and what I hope is that administrators are going to be reaching out to teachers and getting their input so they feel involved in all the decisions about going back to school. Like I was once aware of a teacher who said after a tragic school shooting, I felt ordered to go back to school. Mm -hmm. We need to get input from our staff. And then I hope schools can figure out a way where somebody at school, homeroom teacher, can reach out to every single kid because everyone has a story to tell about this experience. And just that reaching out, answering questions, here are the things we're doing to assure everybody's safety. What ideas do you have? What would help you? And, you know, children regress after traumatic events, and they regress academically, behaviorally, nightmares, sleeping problems. Those aren't unusual. Those are typical. And actually, I've been stressing to parents, this is a time to actually lower the bar, lower the bar for your child, and also lower the bar for yourself. Because in all of our families, adults under a lot of stress, They've got upset. They probably said things they wish they hadn't. Their situation they'd like to do over. And all we have to do is just say, I am so sorry. I should have been able to handle that better. But getting input from staff and students before we start back to school, I believe will be critical 
And I would recommend meetings for parents. Let's get their input. Let's invite everybody back to school the night before it's going to start to explain that structure to parents about here's what we're doing. Of course, we don't even know when this is going to happen, but whenever it does, we need input from the entire community. Absolutely. Another a thought comes to mind, and it, it ties in with a question that we received about, um, about students transitioning from one level of education to, to the other. You know, it's another big decision that a lot of our school leaders have had to make. Um, the normal sort of way that we do this, um, the kind of handoff that we have between from grade to grade, you know, um, let alone level to level is um, we're not able to do that. We're not, we're not able to, to meet as educators in person. Um, we're not able to do sort of those field trip orientations where we would send the, the fifth graders up to the middle school or the, the middle, the eighth graders up to the high school or, you know, those types of activities to help them begin to start connecting with their new community. So I'm, I'm curious, Scott, you know, what kind of uh, ideas you may have or have heard of school communities who are trying to support, um, trying to support students through this time. And maybe you know of, of school leaders that have come up with some interesting solutions for this. Well, interesting you bring this up because I was just communicating with one of our new doctoral students for next year. I mean, she applied, she's been accepted, she's from New York. I've never actually met her, but we're emailing, we're gonna set up a Zoom meeting. And I think at the simplest level, you're right. We always had these meetings, we'd take the middle schoolers over to the high school and they'd look around, they'd see people, they'd ask questions. But there's nothing to stop us from using all the wonders of Zoom to set up those meetings and just to alleviate some of those fears, but most importantly to just say, we're looking forward to you coming to our school next year. And what questions can we answer? And yes, there's gonna be some developmentally, some new challenges for you if you've never had a school locker before, but we are gonna be there to help you. So all those things that educators have always done so well, we just have to figure out a way to do it utilizing the telephone or Zoom and just go through it. We'll figure it out, right? We'll figure it out together. Yes. My older daughter is, is, as I said, hopefully heading off to college next year. And uh, the, the college did it, you know, they've done virtual tours and not just of the campus, but of, you know, of classrooms or dorms or so as much as, as possible, she gets to start picturing herself in that space. And I know for a lot of our youngsters, that's just, that's just very important. So this one, I'm going to start with Alyssa on. I've noticed that my daughter, this is coming from another parent. I've noticed that my daughter is spending increased time online and social media. Normally, I would be much more restrictive of her screen time, but under the circumstances, she cannot really socialize in, in any other way. So this parent says, you know, how much is too much? And I'm tossing this to you, Alyssa, first to then toss to Scott, because I know this is something that you've had to, you know, and I have too, uh, had to encounter with the kids at home. It's really tough. And especially in my household, we have really limited um, our kids' exposure to um, 
social media, to um, screens. And in the past, they were not allowed to even play with them unless it was like school related or we were going on trips. So it would be like a super special, special. Ticket to pull out, you know, their iPads. So we've really tried to limit that. And it's been very tough. Like their screen time has gone up significantly. And some of it is because, you know, we've structured reading time, we've structured um, art time, and they're using their reading time to access library books on their iPads. They're using their iPads to talk and chat with their friends. They're using their iPads to create art because they're bored of uh, creating physical paintings that we have scattered on our entire wall. Um, So it's just, it, it has been a lot. And I've had to kind of turn a blind eye to it, but I do wonder what are some of the fallouts going to be after? What is going to happen to, um, like, have they been creating a habit that I'm going to have to break when this is over? And, you know, what things should I be keeping in mind just psychologically that's going on in their heads as they're using these to um, kind of get passed through this time? Wow. You know, a year ago, I might have said, don't let technology steal your child. Yeah. And yeah. yet it has so many as measurable benefits right now for social connections. And I think what we really need in our families is a meeting about how we're going to handle this, how we're going to transition back and maybe um, restore a few of the rules that you previously had, like especially no technology at mealtime, for example, Um, no technology in the bedroom after a certain time. I've often been concerned about high school kids are almost always chronically sleep deprived. And part of it is because the screen is under the pillow and they get the text message at 2.30 in the morning. And I was glad CJ mentioned earlier about the importance of a schedule. You also mentioned that, Alyssa. Kids should get up at a certain time, Monday through Friday, get dressed, and yes, there's schoolwork, but then there's break and there's fun time. But kids respond the best to a schedule. And with technology, I think you just have to have a meeting, and when we get back hopefully to more normal lives soon, then you probably want to reduce some of that screen time. And I've always believed that the technology is a privilege. It's not a right. And in so many families, all of a sudden, the kid just feels like it's mine. I have the right. Wi-Fi's here. I can go anywhere I want um, on the internet. And that's just not really appropriate as for all the reasons that we all know about pay attention parents is i guess would be my biggest piece of advice yes it's going to be hard to limit the time right now but at least pay attention to how they're using that technology because you have that right as a parent for my uh, for my 11 uh, year old we had that conversation just the other day and, and i know she wouldn't mind sharing this but she was i noticed she was on on her phone a lot and um and um, um, so I, I kind of called her out on it and said, hey, I think you're spending too much time on your device. And 
She goes, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm hardly on it at all. And I said, well, let's look. And, and uh, of course, you can, you can see screen, screen time, and it told exactly what game she was playing and for how long. And she'd been on it for five and a half hours that day. She couldn't believe it. So I think some of it's just, just awareness. And, and I was, you know, so we had a good conversation then about how that time got away from her, how it could have been used differently. And, and, um, and uh, we, we came to an agreement really quickly on, on what was appropriate because she even knew that five and a half hours playing that game was probably more. Than well, and speaking of, of, of all of that, being responsible and, and rights and, uh, and privileges, um, this, is a, this is a really um, important question that came in. This one says, um, I'm concerned about my son and what he's getting into while I'm working from home and on calls and in meetings all day. The other day, I thought I smelled marijuana upstairs. I don't want to invade his privacy, but I'm really worried now. Well, gosh, what I really believe is parents have to pay attention and parents pay the mortgage bill. And I think parents should feel like they have a right to go in and out of a kid's room, knocking appropriately, making sure they're dressed. but the bottom line is sometimes parents know there's a problem, but they don't really want to investigate. And I think they have to, and they have to address it early. And what I hope is that, you know, not everybody lives in a family where there's two adults at home, but when there are two adults, it's like we need to take turns so that one of us is getting our work done right now, and the other one can be available, especially for small children. But even with an adolescent, somebody needs to be checking periodically. And I suspect most parents would believe smoking pot in your room upstairs is not acceptable. And uh, it certainly doesn't go well with, what is the job of being a kid? And I think it's, it's getting along with everybody in your family, and it's doing reasonably well in school. And rewards for kids need to be based on how are you doing with the work of being a kid? And smoking pot in your room is not something that can be ignored. Absolutely. Speaking of being a kid, this one came in from a junior in high school, this question. I'm a junior in high school and I'm super stressed about how this is going to affect my chance to get into the college I want to. The spring SATs were canceled, and even if I get to take them in the fall, I don't feel prepared. I'm not doing well with learning math online. I feel like everything I've worked for is just falling apart. What would you say to this student? Well, I hope everybody will help me with this one, but we're hoping their parents are there to listen, to recognize all they're going through, and, you know, one of the things that I share anytime I get to talk to high school kids is I actually got kicked out of college the first time for poor scholarship. And everything is not going to go perfectly for every kid, especially given all the effects of this virus. Some of them are going to stumble. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's happening with all those high pressure scores to get into college, but a parent could say, 
we're going to find out. We're going to keep up with what's being required. I'm sure there's going to be some loosening of some of the rigorous requirements. And I'm going to be here for you through this process every step of the way. And maybe we need to get you uh, individual one-on-one -on -one math Zoom tutor. I'm sure they're out there. So it's like parents just need to be there and help their kids through this difficult time. I also believe a lot of that academic pressure, it comes from parents. And this might be a time for the parents to, I started this with calm, calm down a bit. And maybe that would help this young man. Absolutely. And I know for, I know because I have a junior as well, um, that they are, they are loosening, um, you know, testing requirements. And, and I think, it, you know, there is grace out there. And I think modeling that, right, modeling that for one another, um, and, and letting our kids know that it's going to be a different path, but we'll, we'll find our way there. I'm pleased to share with you that the College of Psychology here at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale has had a series of webinars related to the virus on countless topics. And those are all available at nova.edu forward slash shark chats. And there's webinars on, about helping adults, helping children, uh, dealing with depression, anxiety, and the topic of suicide prevention as well. So I hope all those listening will check that out. Shark Chats. Well, Scott, this is definitely a conversation that we need to continue. I feel like we only scratched uh, the surface on so many really good questions. Um, so would you join us again and continue this conversation? We'd love to Absolutely. I'd be very happy to, and uh, it's great to be with the other three of you today. Yeah, it was fun to see you. <laughs> I know from all over, literally all over, all corners of the country today. Absolutely. Well, thank you all, too, for joining us at the table today. Um, and thanks to to um, to everybody who made this this first episode possible. We had such a great response, and and we're just so thrilled to to be offering this way to keep our community connected and support one another through this time. Join us next week with our special guest, Dr. Melissa Reeves, to discuss care for the caregiver, self care strategies for students, staff, parents, and leaders. We hope you'll join us then. Thanks so much, and have a wonderful day. You too. For more information about the Sound Off and Safe and Sound Schools, visit safeandsoundschools.org.